Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise in this space. Come on, let's bless our God. Let's give him glory. Come on, anybody glad that he knows your name? Hallelujah. Ah, he knows the very number of hairs on your head. What a wonderful privilege to be known by God. We give God praise and we're glorying in him and certainly as I honor God and his wonderful son, Jesus, who is the Christ and to the power and personality of the Holy Spirit of God, let me uh, certainly thank God for the leadership of this church, this great church, and to the disciples who are connected to and part of this ministry. I'm grateful to God for what the Lord has done in the life, amen, and ministry of the Clinton Baptist Church. And join me in celebrating your precious pastor and his beautiful wife and family who serve you, amen, as they mark this second year. Come on, let's give God praise. I, I know it has been said, but we can't say it enough. You are a blessed people. You are a blessed people. Pastor Pugh has been a friend and a brother beloved across these years, and uh, I'm thankful to the Lord uh, for, for him. I appreciate his family as well. They have been great supporters of the ministry of the New Macedonia Church. We consider them one of our partners. <laughs> so many efforts um, that they have uh, assisted us and served us in terms of ministry. He and I walked the uh, campus of Washington Bible College back then when it was that <laughs> uh, together as well. And uh, certainly I am thankful for this incredible season that the Lord has ushered him into in leading uh, this great people. And uh, what a two years it's been. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't even begin to imagine how I would have handled these times as a new pastor. Um, it's been hard enough on somebody who's been doing it as long as I've been doing it. But I know God has been faithful in him. And if you just look around, you can see how the Lord has used him. Come on, Clinton, you ought to thank God for the man of God. Amen. Amen. As I drove up on this campus and I used to come over this way, I don't hang out in the suburbs too much. <laughs> but um, our children went to school just a, a stone's throw from here. And, and you can even sense the life and vibrancy on this campus when you pull up now that wasn't here a few, just a few days ago. Come on, somebody. Listen, uh, God is good. And he has sent a man of God here to cast a vision and to lead this people. Let's praise the Lord for this extraordinary psalmist. Amen. Sister Khadijah, I believe it is. God bless you. God bless you. Enjoyed your, your ministry. Amen. You sung yourself right into New Macedonia. Amen. You done sung up on an opportunity. <laughs> Amen. We pray and trust that you will come and share with us soon. Amen. Your uh, Pastor Pew said you're going to be blessed by her. You're going to be blessed. And certainly I have been blessed. I want to also greet our online community that's sharing 
thank you for connecting with this Clinton Church. Amen. And uh, we uh, praise the Lord for you. I know we're on a, a time schedule and I want to be mindful of that because uh, I want to be invited back. So I'm not going to belabor this process very long. I want to invite your attention to Philippians chapter one, Philippians chapter one. And uh, I want to give consideration to uh, verses number nine through verse number 11, Philippians chapter one, verses nine through verse number 11. The apostle Paul writes these words to the church there at Philippi. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. I want to talk for these few moments that have been allotted to us, daring to be different daring to be different. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you still use and choose to use the foolishness of preaching to draw men's hearts to repentance. It is our prayer, dear Master, that you'll use these moments for your glory and for your honor, that the body of Christ will be edified in the name of God glorified. I pray, God, now that you'll simply stand in my body, think with my mind, and speak with my lips, and let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, you're my strength, and I am grateful that I've been redeemed by you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and give you praise. Amen. To be different is to be unique. It is, it, is, it is not to be the same as another or each other. It is to be unlike in one's nature, form, or quality. Uh, to, to be different, to be different, to be different. I am convinced that there are far too many pastors that don't want to be different. Far too many churches that don't want to be different. In, in, in fact, in fact, truth be told, there are far too many believers who don't want to be, be different. It, it, it seems as though we are living in a time, a culture in this postmodern world where, where everyone wants to, uh, go along <laughs> to get along, that, that no one wants to, if you will, swim against the tide of modern culture. Everyone wants to fit in. Everyone wants to be the same. They, they want to dress alike. They want to talk alike. They want to be alike. But you and I as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have been called to be different. In fact, he has brought us out of darkness into the marvelous light so that we can be different. And I, I, think, I think if there's one thing <laughs> that we can celebrate in these two years as we honor this man of God and his wife and family, that your pastor is willing to be different. Your, 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 your pastor is willing to stand apart from the crowd. He's willing to go even against the tide of traditionalism, against the tide of popular cult 
uh, uh, culture and to stand out when it comes to the things of God and the things of the gospel. He's willing to be different. That, that's why we're here. That's why we are celebrating today. That, 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 that's the reason why you are experiencing the kind of growth that you are experiencing. And I'm not just talking about in, in numbers, but you are experiencing the kind of spiritual growth and the kind of impact in this community that you are experiencing because God has given you a servant who is willing to be different. One, one who's willing to stand apart and stand out if need be and necessary to proclaim the gospel truth in such a way that lives are transformed and changed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I want to I consider that against the backdrop of this celebration. I want us to think about that as we honor uh, the man of God, as we celebrate his service and ministry to you now these two years. And, and I think it's befitting, uh, particularly uh, as it relates to this text, because the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, a church that he that he loved dearly, a church that meant much to him. It was a church that he was familiar with because he had served with them. Some of you who, who, who know, who know, who know the, uh, the backdrop, you understand that over in Acts chapter 16, that when, when, when Paul went into the Macedonian region, you remember that it was this city at Philippi that he first encountered believers there, when the cry came, come over to Macedonia and help us, it was that little seaport town of Philippi that he first had engagement with. You, you, you remember, don't you? You, you remember that there was a, there was a woman there who was the seller of fabric. She was an entrepreneur and, 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 and she, she was supportive of, of Paul, his works and his ministry. You, you remember her, don't you, Lydia? You, you, you remember, you remember, of course, that there was, there was also a little slave girl who was, who was, who was suffering from a demonic possession. She had a spirit of divination and, and her, her masters were making profit off of her plight. They were making money off of her misery and 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 she was delivered she was there a part of the church at philippi and because paul and his comrades uh, disrupted the commerce of the day they were thrown into prison and it was at midnight there in philippi that they sang and prayed and the chains were loosened from the prisoners and the doors swung open and the prison guard said it was about to take his own life because he understood the cost of a roman a soldier uh, losing his prisoners was his own life and rather than to be handed over to the state he wanted to take his own life but Paul and Silas said do yourself no harm we are all still here it was at midnight in Philippi yeah that 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 little that little slave girl is probably head of the youth ministry now time of this writing that uh, no, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt that, 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 
that the, 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 the Lydia who sold the, the pur purple, no doubt she is probably she is probably now chair of the trustee ministry. <laughs> and I know I know that Philippian jailer is probably chairman of the deacons board. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His whole family got saved and they are now involved in ministry. And Paul uses the occasion of those band of believers who sent to him an offering of love and gift of support to his ministry ministry. He uses the occasion of writing this thank you letter to pray this prayer for those believers and challenge you and I to be different. Yeah, 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 yeah. He sends a thank you by, by brother Epaphroditus and he says, he, he says to them, and, and, and it's, 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 it's real interesting because what Paul writes to this church, he doesn't write to a whole lot of the other churches. His epistles oftentimes are filled with correction. His epistles are oftentimes filled with rebuke. They're oftentimes filled with chastisement as, as, as a good pastor should. But when he writes to the church at Philippi, he writes to them in somewhat of a different tone. He writes to them with these glowing words of thanks and praise and offering of love and the gift and appreciation to them. It gives me perhaps some insight because when you look at this letter and the opening of this letter, it's unusual how Paul greets not only the saints, but he also greets the bishops and the deacons that are there. Paul, Paul says, says, unlike any of his other letters, he he, he adds the pastors and the deacons. He greets, yes, the believers that are there, but, but he also greets the leadership that's there. Maybe that's something that just to note as we try to get into this text that where pastor and people are in partnership together, God can accomplish and affect purpose. Maybe the reason why there's such a, love fest going on is because the pastor and the people are working together. Maybe the reason why this letter is filled with so much joy and, and, and so much celebration is because you have a situation where the pastor and the people are not at odds at one another, but they are working together in unity with one another. Maybe that's what's different about Philippi and Corinth. <laughs> maybe that's what's different about Philippi and Ephesus. Maybe, maybe that's a unique thing that's not seen in Thessalonica. Yeah, Paul, Paul writes these words to the church and he tells them, thank you for your gift. Thank you. I'm in prison and that ministered to me. And in the return letter, he says, thank you. And he says in this first chapter, I'm um, 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 I, I want to share these things with you. And, and if, I, if you'll allow me these moments, I'll lift them up because I think these things that are contained here are the key to being different. Text says, and this I pray, do you see that? That your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. First thing I notice is that Paul is praying for them. Pastor Pugh, I know this church is blessed because you pray for them. I know that I know that, that that's 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 different because pastors want to preach for two people, <laughs> but don't want to pray for people. And I'm not just talking about praying for you when you're sick. 
I'm talking about lifting you up before God and, and your family up before God. You ought to bless God that you have a pastor that's concerned enough about you to talk to God on your behalf. Pray for your marriages and to pray for your children. To pray not just when you're sick or going through seasons of bereavement, but to pray that the Lord will prosper you and grow. Paul says, and this is my prayer for you, that your love may grow. It may abound, that it may grow. And he says how I want it to grow. I want it to grow more and more in knowledge and in discernment. King James translates that word judgment. He says, he says, I want your love to grow, which says to me that there's already love present. It's already a loving church, but I want that love to grow. I want it to abound more and more. And that's your pastor's prayer for you, that the love that you are experiencing, the love for God, love for one another, that love would grow. Not just grow any kind of way, but grow in knowledge and discernment. Knowledge and judgment. Knowledge is the right thing. It's the knowledge is the right moral principle. Knowledge is, you know, like, like, like Spike Lee says, it's not enough just to know the right thing. You got to do the right thing. This is what Paul says. Paul says, you got to know the right principle. But not only must you know the right principle, you got to have judgment and discernment to apply the right principle. Because there are a whole lot of folk who know right. Y'all better say something. They know right, but somehow or another when it comes to doing right, you, 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 you can't tell me, you can't tell me that, that legislation gets tied up in our House and Senate like it's getting tied up because folk don't know right. Folk know people are hungry. People are hurting. Folk, folk know, amen, that we, that we need systems, strategies, and structures to meet the needs of people in the wealthiest nation on the planet. Folk know right. They don't want to do right. And if you're going to be different, it's not enough for you just to know right. You got to do right. So this is Paul's prayer. And this I pray that you, your, your love may grow may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. Then he says, watch this, that you may prove or approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Jesus Christ. Is that in your Bible? <laughs> he says, he says, I pray that your love would grow in knowledge and in discernment that you may have proof. Approve that you may have proof that there may be some evidence in your life that Jesus Christ is living in and through you. you. You as a believer need to have on display in your life evidence that God is real and God is real to you. I mean, it's one thing to talk about him. It's one thing to shout about him. It's one thing to sing to him. But do you have resident evidence in your life that, he, that you may approve the things that are excellent? I often tell our congregation, Pastor Pew, that, ever, that excellence honors God and God always honors excellence. Excellence is always striving to render the best I can render. 
to give God the best of my ability that you may be sincere. Sincere, sincere is an interesting word because in the original language, that word sincere literally means without hypocrisy. He says you ought to be excellent. You ought to give God the very best because you don't want to be a hypocrite. You don't want to say one thing and do something else. Y'all looking at me kind of funny. That word sincere, it, 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 without, it, it, literally means, it literally means without wax in the original language. <laughs> I know that's a fast pitch, but, 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 but in the marketplace, in the marketplace in, in, at the time of the writing, when Paul says, I want you to be without wax in the marketplace, there were, there were, there were unscrupulous vendors. You, you can, you can, you can travel with me to the first century. You know that, that we, they didn't have pots and pans like we have. They didn't have uh, the, the, the modern technologies that we had. And, and one of the staple items in home was a bowl. In fact, in fact, they used the bowl for pretty near everything. Bring water to, to, to prepare meals. A bowl was used for everything. Clay bowls and clay pots. They were made of clay and they were made by hand. And in the marketplace, you would go and buy a bowl or buy a, a, a clay jar or, or, or vessel of some sort. And you would use this word sincere. You would use this word without wax, which says that, that it, is, it is fit for service. It is saying it is fit for use. Wait a minute. I know I, I lost you. See, there would be some unscrupulous vendors in the marketplace. And what they would do is they would, when clay bowls would come, when they're in the process of being made, amen, if they had any marring in the vessel, you're, you're supposed to start all over again. If there are any cracks in the vessels, if there are any leaks in the vessel, you're supposed to destroy it and start all over again. But unscrupulous vendors would take the marred vessels and would paint over, amen, areas that were cracked or areas that had holes in them. And they would pour wax in the inside of it, paint over it, and sell it in the marketplace. But when someone bought it, they would take it home. And in the wear and the use and the tear, the wax would eventually come out and the bowl would leak or crack and fall apart. you looking at me like you don't understand it. Come here, child of God. God says to you, you need to be different. You need to be excellent so your life can be without wax because when you get out into the world, the wear and tear of life will get to you. The trials and tests will get to you, but you want to be sincere without offense so you don't leak, so you don't crack, so you don't go under pressure. Okay, okay. Sincere, without wax, without offense. To see if you if you leak, you're liable to be a stumbling block to somebody. If you leak, you're liable to offend somebody. Somebody's liable to trip over your testimony. They see you and they expect something different out of you. Uh, he says you you ought to be that way till the day of Christ. Uh, 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 I see in this text Paul's prayer. I see resident proof, but I also see products. <laughs> he said, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. My time is gone. Which are by Jesus Christ. He says, he says I, I, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you will grow, that your love will grow in knowledge 
that's know the right thing, judgment, discernment, do the right thing, that you may have evidence, proof that, that you, that the things that you may prove, the things that are excellent, best quality, to be sincere without a wax, so you won't be a stumbling block to anybody else. Y'all with me? He says, if you do that, you'll be filled with the fruits of righteousness. Filled with the fruits of righteousness. Now, I know this is Bible country here. You know there's a difference between the fruits of righteousness and the fruits of the Spirit. You know, over in Galatians, where Paul talks about love, joy, peace, and meekness, and long-suffering, and gentleness. You know, over in Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit. But here, Paul talks about the fruits of righteousness. There's a difference between the fruits of righteousness and the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of righteousness are a byproduct of the Holy Spirit's working in your life. It's almost what happens on the inside of you. Oh, but the fruits of righteousness is what happens on the outside of you. Y'all miss that. Y'all miss that. See, when you go to an apple tree, you expect to get apples. When you go to an orchard, you go get some orange, you expect to get oranges. And what Paul is saying, if you're going to be different, <laughs> you've got to have in your life displayed the fruits of righteousness. Grandmama never went to seminary, Pastor Pew, but she had good theology because she would say stuff like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. I shall not be moved. She understood that her life was to be a tree of righteousness. And when people came to her, they ought to see the fruits of a righteous life. You are not saved by your good works, but you ought to have some good works in in your life. <laughs> okay, okay. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Now watch this. That's that's all of your that's all of your labor and that's all of your toiling. That's all of your good works. You 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 ought to you 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 ought to be on the honor roll. <laughs> you ought to be on the dean's list. You ought to have accolades on your job. You 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 ought to show up on time for work. Have good performance appraisal. Y'all ain't saying that. You you yeah. Believers ought to be doing that. Th those are our fruits of righteousness. You have a righteous life, and that's the byproduct of living a righteous life. I don't know why y'all looking at me in that tone of voice. But watch this. He says, "Which are by Jesus Christ." <laughs> See, you understand that your. Fruits of righteousness are not being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Your righteousness is not your own, but it's because Christ is working in your life. That's the reason why you can't get any of the credit for it. That's the reason why you can't get any of the glory for it. Not because you're so smart, you're so talented, you're so gifted, you're all of this, that, and a bag of chips. No, no, no. It's because Jesus Christ is working in your life. Is there anybody in this room that can testify? I am what I am, not because of anything that I've done, but it's because Jesus Christ is living in me. Okay. If you're going to be different, <laughs> have this prayer, got to have this proof. Gotta have these products. Uh, this is that's simple. That's that doesn't seem to be real deep to me. And finally, there's a purpose for all of this. <laughs> it's to the glory and praise of God. That, that's 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 you. You are to be different. You have a pastor that's different. You have a ministry that's different, so that God can be glorified. I know that's anticlimactic. I know somebody wants something major. No, no, it's simple. You do all of that so that God can get the glory. You do all of that to the glory and praise.
face of God. You are daring to be different. You are you are being different in a world that wants you to be the same because you want God to get to glory. Let me tell you something. I know you can be different. You know how I know you can be different? It's because Jesus was different. Yes, he was. He was different in creation. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He, he, and, and that word became flesh, came down through 40 and two generations. He made a difference in David's lineage. He made a difference in Mary's womb. He made a difference in Joseph's family tree. He made a difference in the innkeeper's stall. He, he made a difference when the age of 12, he mesmerized those in the temple. He, he, he made a difference when he changed water into wine. He made a difference when he unstopped deaf ears. He made a difference when he opened up blinded eyes. He made a difference when he stepped out on a stormy sea and said, peace, be still. He made a difference when he called Lazarus by his name and he came walking from a grave. He made a difference in death when he died on Calvary. He made a difference in the grave when they laid him there. But three days later, he made a difference in my life when he got up early with all power in his hands. <laughs> I know you can make a difference because Jesus made a difference. <laughs>